0: Offer our sincerest heartfelt obeisances and gratitude to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Through His vision and compassion, we have all been brought together in the holy land of Vrindavan. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was living in Navadvipa, as Nimai Pandit. He successfully conquered every possible scholar in his knowledge of the scriptures. When he went to Gaia, on the occasion of offering the Shraddha of his departed father, Sri Jagannath Mishra, he met with Sripad Ishwarapuri. In the presence of the presiding Istadev, of the lotus feet of Lord Vishnu. Hearing sincere and pure-hearted Brahmins chanting the praises and the powers of loving devotion to the feet of Vishnu. And then seeing his Guru standing before him Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu first manifested what he had hidden so carefully throughout his life, the very purpose of his coming to the world. Could everyone hear? Hari and no sounds the same from where I'm sitting. Could you hear? If my god brothers and god sisters could hear it's watering the root of the tree, so all of you will be happy. <clears throat> he came to this world, Krishna, to taste. The sweetness of Sri Radha's love, to feel the happiness that she experiences when she tastes the sweetness of his love, as no one else could do. And through the Harinam Sankirtan movement, as well as the examples of his devotees, he wanted to share that love with the world. That love erupted uncontrollably in his heart at that moment. He accepted initiation from Ishwarapuri, rendered very humble, simple services. He cooked for his guru. He cleaned for his guru. He massaged the feet and the legs of his guru. He volunteered to do any menial chore for his guru. although from a material perspective he was the greatest scholar in the whole world, from a spiritual perspective he's the supreme absolute truth, the personality of Godhead, the source of Brahman and Paramatma. He wanted to show by his example how to progress on the path of bhakti as a devotee. And also, from an internal perspective, it is the Lord's deep, eternal wish to serve his devotees. As the devotee's only wish is to serve and please the Lord, there is that beautiful meditation of Krishna as a little infant baby Gopal laying on a single leaf from a banyan tree and that leaf is floating in the ocean of devastation with nothing else around it. Now if you were a little baby on a single leaf in a massive ocean that was co- that covered the entire planet of the Earth, that was covering half the universe, and there were massive waves and timin and gillifish jumping up and down. What would you do? Krishna was very happily sucking on his toe. Markandeya Rishi had this darshan. And our beloved Acharyas tell why he was sucking on his toe. Again, there are so many levels of explanation for whatever Krishna may do. One is, babies like to suck their toes. At least, that's what they say. You mothers, have you seen this? Lakshmi Moni Devi, the mother of the universe. is confirming that babies like to suck their toes. So what is so extraordinary about the Supreme Personality of Godhead doing what every baby likes to do? What is so extraordinary is the reason he's doing it. Because devotees They are willing to undergo any difficulty. They are willing to detach themselves from their homes and their families and their possessions and their ego. They are willing to do absolutely anything to please Krishna. Because they want to taste the sweetness of the dust of his lotus feet. The dust of the lotus feet personify service to the person whose feet we are meditating on. When we talk about taking dust, it means surrendering our heart with a deep intention to serve that person and please that person. vinivartanti Krishna tells in Gita that one can cross over all the temptations of the attractions and aversions of this world by tasting something higher. And that is bhakti devotional service. Tasting the sweetness of service to the dust of Krishna's lotus feet. And Krishna sees how his devotees, the type of ecstasies and madness of transcendental happiness that they experience tasting it. Krishna wanted to taste it himself. But as Lord Narayan, it wouldn't be befitting. As Krishna, Kishore, was playing on the flute, it doesn't fit. But as a little baby, he could suck his toes to his heart's content and taste the sweetness of what his devotees are always aspiring for. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came in the mood of a devotee because he wanted to taste the sweetness of love for himself. And the Ladini Shakti, the supreme lover, the reservoir and origin of all love that is in the heart of every devotee is his own Shakti, Sri Radha. In Gaia, when he was initiated in the holy names and he began to taste the sweetness of that love, day and night, he could only chant Krishna's names, which is something very significant for us to understand. Nam namakari bahuta nija sarva shaktis. Krishna is none different than His name. All of His powers, His beauty, His sweetness, His abode, His love—everything is there in the name. Golokera Premadana Hari Nam Sankirtan. This Hare Krishna mantra is not a composition of a saint. It has descended from Goloka Vrindavan. It is Radha Krishna. The Maha Mantra is Sri Radha Krishna in transcendental sound vibration. And in the spiritual world, the highest abode, Goloka, it is the eternal pastime of everyone. to give pleasure to Krishna and to give pleasure to each other by so often chanting this Mahamantra. Immediately Lord Chaitanya wanted to go to Vrindavan. In fact, in the middle of the night when everyone was sleeping he left Gaia and was running to Vrindavan weeping, crying, where is Krishna? Where is Krishna? padam ekam Krishna never takes a single step outside of Vrindavan. In his ecstasies he was running to this place. The demigods from the higher planets, they called out to Lord Chaitanya so only he could hear that this is not the time for you to go to Vrindavan. You have descended to the world to establish the Harinam Sankirtan movement in Navadweep. You will go to Vrindavan another time. Out of compassion for all of us, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu put aside the most profound longing of his heart to return to his eternal abode of Vrindavan in the mood of a devotee to meet Krishna. In Navadweep, he established Hadinam Sankirtan. In Shrivas Angam, during Mahaprakash, he fulfilled all his devotees' innermost desires by revealing exactly in reciprocation the love of their heart. He revealed his particular form. To Murari Gupta, who was Hanuman, he became Sri Ramchandra. To Kolavechya Sridhar, who is a car- cowherd boy, he manifested himself as Krishna Balaram. To Haridas Thakur, he revealed his divine form of Sri Krishna. To other Shri Sri Radha Krishna, and he was offering everyone any benediction that they liked. But the only benedictions anyone ever asked for is to be with his devotees, to chant his names in the mood of the servant of the servant of his servants. And never forget him. When there's love, that's the only thing we could ask for. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, years later, accepted sannyas. Because there were people who were offensive, who were criticizing him. They took him to be ordinary. He was thinking, if they offer obeisances to me, which they will if I'm a sannyasi, then their hearts will be open for me to give them Hari Nam and Krishna Prem. And if I'm a sannyasi, I could travel everywhere and give Hari Nam and Krishna Prem. He left home for our sake. He went to Kattwa. There, Keshav Bharati Maharaj gave him the sannyas name, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, a danda, a kamandalu, the dress of a sannyasi, and shaved his head. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. As soon as he accepted that vow, he began to dance in ecstasy and chant. And what were his words? Now I will go to Vrindavan. Now he's a sannyasi. Nothing could stop him. And he was moving toward Vrindavan, Keshav Bharati Maharaj and the entire town of Katva were going to Vrindavan with him. After some time, he sent everyone back except his very close associates, including Nityananda Prabhu. Nityananda Prabhu knew that the people in Navadweep. Sachi, Advaita, Gadadhar, Srivas and his brothers, Hadidas, they were dying of separation. So he led Lord Chaitanya to Shantipur, where he met his mother. And Sati Devi requested, the same Krishna that's in Vrindavan lives in Puri as Jagannath, please go there then I will hear many stories about you. Kaviraj Goswami tells when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in Puri, the thought of Vrindavan would increase his love many, many times, hundreds of times. And when he was en route to Vrindavan, to the jarikanda forest and all the other places just knowing he was in he was soon to arrive that happiness increased hundreds of times and when he reached Mathura that happiness increased thousands of times And when he actually entered into Vrindavan and was roaming around through the Twelve Forests, that ecstasy increased unlimitedly. But for the sake of his devotees, after two months, he went back to Puri, where his whole life Especially in the Gambira, was separation from Krishna in Vrindavan. Sanatana Goswami, Rupa Goswami, Raghunath Das Goswami, they had immense wealth, power, youth, health, everything. Traditionally, people They come to Vrindavan on a little pilgrimage, but usually when somebody's on the verge of death and there's no other way to, to heal themselves, then they come to Vrindavan. But these Goswamis that we have just named, they had youth, they had health, they had power, they had everything. But they gave everything away to live under the trees, on the ground, to wear only the clothes that the Brijabasis would discard because it was worthless to them. And they would make a copen out of it. And to beg with such gratitude. Sanatan Goswami was the prime minister, and the king divided his entire fortune with his... He was like his younger brother. And he was a beggar. He was begging. But let us meditate on this spirit. He wasn't just ritualistically begging. He had such honor for the bridge bosses. He was begging for some of their food. Not because he needed food, because he considered the mercy of the residents of Vrindavan to be a treasure that, that cannot be valued in monetary terms. When we hear these stories, we can appreciate Srila Prabhupada's kindness to us. We have come where the Lord craved to come his whole life. We have come where the greatest scholars, politicians, billionaires renounced everything to be. We are in Vrindavan. So let us not be in anxiety about little things that may happen. The nature of the mind in a conditioned state is it wants to cheat us of opportunities. When the association of devotees, when we're in Kirtan, when we're sitting down at the time of Japa, when we're standing before or dancing before the Radharani and Krishna, their holy form in the temple, when we have some Seva, we're in Vrindavan. We're being given the greatest opportunity for the highest fortune. But the the mind wants to cheat us, to take it cheaply, to be thinking that, some, that, that focusing its attention on anything else is more important. And we come on these pilgrimages to be with each other, to help remind ourselves very very strongly that there is nothing more important. Birth after birth after birth, the mind wants to cheat us by putting other priorities to consume our attention. But Harinan, Vaishnav Seva, doya service to the devotees, sharing this wonderful gift with the people of this world, these are the jewels of life. And we come on this pilgrimage to deeply appreciate that treasure and take it back with us wherever we may go in the world. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was on his South Indian tour, he stayed at the home of Venkata Bhatta for four months, Chaturmasya. In fact, that year, at this time, because Kartik is during Chaturmasya, he was in Srirangam. And beautiful pastimes took place there. A few in particular, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami described. Toward the end of the trip, or the stay there, Lord Chaitanya was very much appreciating Venkatabad because he had such pure devotion to Lord Narayan, Lakshmi Narayan. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was so pleased, but he wanted to share something even deeper. And one day, in a joking way, he said to Venkata Bhatta, you are a pure devotee of Narayana. This is very good. But Krishna's pastimes are the essence of all sweetness. And even Lakshmi, even Lakshmi performs tapasya, and is willing to leave Vaikuntha in order to taste the sweetness of Krishna's pastimes. Venkata Bhatta listened. He was very pleased by what he was hearing. But he said, but that is not a fault with Lakshmi Devi, because Narayan and Krishna are identical, the same person. So even if she left Narayan for Krishna, because they're the same person, it's not unchaste. So Lakshmi is perfect. Lord Chaitanya said, yes, what you are saying is true. But why is it that Lakshmi was not allowed entrance into Krishna's Raslila? And then Lord Chaitanya told stories. There's a place called Belvan, which is not far from here across the river Yamuna. In Belvan, at the time of Lord Krishna, there were many trees that had bale fruits. And those fruits were like balls. When Krishna was with the gopas, the cowherd boys, They would love to play and those ball-like fruits were very, very enjoyable for them to play with. Can you imagine what it is like playing with Krishna? Krishna is the creator of everything that exists. It's a little meditation. astronomers are trying to figure out how does the universe work? The suns and the stars and the, and the planets and the laws of gravity and the, the sun planet is millions of times bigger than the earth and how everything is in its orbit and within this little tiny speck of a universe and within the speck in this universe is this little earth planet and how does... How does the molecule work? How does the atomic particle operate? How does the body work? How does nature... Such incredible creative technology, this creation is. It's absolutely inconceivable. And it's all created by Brahma. And Brahma is... Just created by Vishnu. In fact, the Brahma who created this universe wanted to meet Krishna, and he went to Dwarka. And the guard at the door went, reported to Krishna, and came back to Brahma and said, "Which Brahma, Krishna is asking? Which Brahma? The four-headed Brahma." Ah. Because he said the four-headed Brahma, Krishna knew how to humble him. When he came in, he saw eight-headed Brahmins, and 16, and 64, and, and 128, and, and... I'm not a mathematician. He saw Brahmins, Brahmins with hundreds and thousands of heads. So could you imagine what those universes might be like? And Lord Brahma himself has prayed, Ishwara Parama Krishna, Sachit Ananda Vigraha, Govinda Sarva Karana means I'm a controller, and everyone in a little way is a controller, but Krishna is Paramishwar. He is the supreme controller of all controllers. And his body his personality is such ananda, eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss. He's the cause of all causes. He's all that is. Sarva Karana Karana. The origin of everything. So if we analyze how material nature works, what creativity. It's absolutely incredible. Well, the cause of all that creativity is playing with his boyfriends. Can you imagine what type of games they create? We see in this world how many little games there are, how many sports. There's so many sports and so many ways to play. In a lifetime of Brahma, even the greatest poets cannot explain how many games Krishna could play with his friends in one hour. Achintya Shakti. This is Krishna. And they would play games playing with these balls, fruits. Such simple games. (laughs) Krishna, what a technologist he is in this universe. Today, the children, you know, they need all kinds of computerized games to be happy. But Krishna's happy just throwing fruits with his friends. This is Vrindavan, where the beauty is in the simplicity. And Belvane was one of the favorite places for them to play ball games. And also in Belvane is where Lakshmi Devi. She sat because she wanted permission to cross the Yamuna and enter into the pastimes with Krishna and his gopis. But she was told. After performing tapasya, leaving Narayan, leaving Vaikuntha Loka, she sat right there, and we could go right to the place where she's still sitting. She fasted, she did austerities, and she was told that you can only enter into the pastimes of Vrindavan. If you give up your identity as a goddess of fortune, Vrindavan is a place where the love is simple. Just be a gopi, milk cows, make patties out of their dung, and sing songs. Deva Govinda Whatever the gopis did, they were just singing about Krishna. Such a simple life. <laughs> Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was explaining this story to Venkatapata. He said that. We can only enter into Krishna's Leela by following in the footsteps of the residents of Vrindavan. Even Lakshmi has to do that. And he explained how Narayan has 60 most essential qualities of his unlimited qualities. But Krishna has four that are beyond even Narayan. His lila, his pastimes, are a limitless, bottomless, shoreless ocean of happiness. His devotees, the gopis, the gopas, their love for Him is so unlimitedly deep, so unconditional, that Krishna actually gives them entrance into such a personal relationship, where His identity as the absolute truth As the supreme God of all gods moves aside, and he becomes their child, their friend, and their lover. And Krishna's flute. There are hundreds and thousands of beautiful poems that describe the sound of Krishna's flute and the effect it has on the devotees' hearts. When Krishna plays his flute, the trees tremble and dance. Sometimes the movable objects become stunned like trees. Sometimes the rocks melt and flow like rivers, and sometimes the rivers become stunned and immovable. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, when Krishna's flute enters into the ear of the gopis, It's like a bird that goes in through their ears and makes a nest so that nothing else could get into the ear and then goes into their heart and completely steals their hearts. And Krishna's beauty, the charm and the sweetness of his beauty, even the absolute truth, Narayan. Is attracted to Krishna's beauty. Even Krishna is attracted to his beauty. Chaitanya Charitamrita tells a story where Krishna saw a reflection of himself in a jeweled pillar and became stunned and intoxicated by his beauty. And then he was thinking that only Radharani, my, I am the Vishaya, I am the object of love, but Radharani is the Ashraya Vigraha. She is the abode of love. What does she experience when she sees my beauty? Even I cannot understand that. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told the story how at Govardhan Krishna would perform Raslila with the gopis during the spring season. It would usually begin at the Rasa Stali where he would play his flute and they would, they would meet together near Chandrasrovar. And one time, Krishna left all the gopis. And they were searching everywhere for him. He was sitting in a place. Krishna's great-grandson, Vajranabh, actually had a deity made or manifest in that very place, it is called Paita, which immortalizes even to people like us this pastime. Krishna was sitting, and the gopis were looking for him, and they saw him from a distance and chanting his names in great separation, weeping and crying, and in such expectation they were very happy, they were running toward Krishna, and Krishna wanted to run away, but his emotions were so much affected by the gopis that he couldn't move. So he disguised himself. He manifested his form of Narayan. In all majesty he was sitting magnificent crowns and jewels and four opulent arms carrying the conch shell and the disc and the club and the lotus flower. And when the gopis approached him, they were so disappointed that it wasn't Krishna. They bowed down with great reverence and they said, Oh, Lord Narayan, Oh, supreme personality of Godhead, we offer our obeisances to you. We beg you, please give us one benediction that we're able to find Krishna. Srila Prabhupada explains there, they knew he was God, but they weren't concerned with God (laughs) they wanted Krishna this was the sweetness the intimacy of their love and some commentators tell that Lord Narayan wanted with his four arms he said that way (laughs) so they they ran to search for Krishna and a few moments later Shrimati Radharani approached the Lord and he, his, he was in his Aishwarya Bhava's Narayan with his forearms and he wanted to play a trick on Shrimati Radharani and he tried with all his powers What is the power of God? An expansion of an expansion of an expansion of an expansion. Mahavishnu, he just exhales an entire cosmic manifestation and all the universes are manifest. He inhales and the whole cosmic manifestation goes in his body and everything is finished. That is his power. But before Sri Radha, although he tried to keep those four arms, four of the arms, just two of them, disappeared. And she understood he was Krishna. So Lord Chaitanya is telling these pastimes to Venkatabata. And Venkatabata, upon hearing it, he said, I'm really confused. (laughs) And Lord Chaitanya, seeing him confused, said, actually, Narayan and Krishna are one. There's no difference. (laughs) And he said, and anyone who, due to their false ego, tries to differentiate the different manifestations of the one supreme truth commits offense. Srila Prabhupada in the purport explains that the absolute truth is Advaita, is one. But achintya bheda tattva within that absolute oneness there is inconceivable variegatedness eternally. And that one truth, Krishna, He is Ram, He is Narayan, He is Vishnu, He is Narasimha, He is Dwarkadish, He is Mathuranath, He is... Govinda Dev, Vrindavan Chandra. They are all one. And Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, he honored Murari Gupta's love for Ram. And he actually deeply honored and was happy with Venkata Bhatt's love for Narayan. But he gave him entrance into the sweetness of vrindavan and he said to venkata Bhatta that there is nothing to be anything disturbed about because the absolute truth is one and narayan and krishna are identical venkata Bhatta said i don't know who is narayan I don't know who is Krishna, but I do know that you are Narayan and you are Krishna. You are the Supreme Personality of Godhead and I will follow you. And from this day on, I will worship Radha Krishna in the mood of Vrindavan and follow in the footsteps of Brijbasis. And their little son, Gopal, when he saw the transformations of his father, and he received the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was later to become Gopal Bhatta Goswami. When Lord Chaitanya was about to leave Navadvip to take sannyas, his intention was to come here. To where we are in Vrindavan. There's a beautiful story. It is explained quite elaborately in Bhakti Ratnakar. There was a devotee. His name was Lokanath Goswami. He was born in Bangladesh, his birthplace is still there. His father was Padmanam Chakravarti, and his mother's name was Sita. His father was a great devotee. He was a follower and dear friend of the greatest of all the Vaishnavas, Adhoitacharya. When Lokanath Goswami was a young man, he left his home because he wanted to be with Lord Chaitanya in Navadvip. And he was part of all those beautiful pastimes in Sri Navadvip. He understood the true identity of Lord Chaitanya. Lord Chaitanya was his life And his soul. Lord Chaitanya told him privately that he was going to take sannyas and leave Navadweep. Lokanath Goswami's heart was broken. You're going to cut off your beautiful hair. You're going to take off your ornaments and be in the cloth of a simple mendicant. You're going to leave your beloved wife Vishnu Priya, who's the goddess of fortune, and your mother Sachi, who has nothing except you in her whole life. And all your friends, Srivas and Adoita and Gadadhar and Nityananda, you're going to leave all of us? He was thinking, how is this? And in his mind, he was tormented. He did not want to be in Navadweep when the news came that Lord Chaitanya had left and renounced the world. It would be too painful for him. He couldn't say anything. But Sri Goranga understood his heart and he said, Lokanath, you will not survive being here when I take sannyas. But after I take sannyas, I will be going to Vrindavan. So you leave now. Go to Vrindavan and I will meet you there and we will be together. Lokanath Goswami's heart was crushed. He wept incessantly. He fell in his full prostrations and took the dust of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's lotus feet. And then without saying any reason to anyone, he went to every Vaishnav with tears in his eyes and fell at their feet and took their dust. And he left for Vrindavan. He visited many holy places on the way. By foot he arrived and waited for Lord Chaitanya. He received the news that Lord Chaitanya was actually on his way to Vrindavan to meet him. But he was detoured to Shantipur. And due to the love and the affection of his devotees, all his plans were changed, and now he was living in Puri. So Lokanath Goswami was just ready to go to Puri. But then he heard news that Lord Chaitanya has left Puri and he's gone to South India. Lokanath left Vrindavan barefoot and started walking to South India to find Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Now, in those days, they didn't have GPS. <laughs> or text, you know, we're texting um, Kala Krishnadas, where is Lord Chaitanya <laughs> There was no possible way of communication. Can you imagine the faith of Lokanath Goswami? He leaves Vrindavan by foot to go to South India to meet Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. You know, is he going to be in Andhra Pradesh or Madhya Pradesh or is he going to be in Tamil Nadu and Kerala or anywhere? But you see, when devotees are in this state of loving devotional service, nothing's impossible. Sometimes Srila Prabhupada would give very difficult things to do. That historical event where the devotees of the BBT, the art department was in New York, part of the department was in Los Angeles, and they were coming out with one book every few months when they were really on marathons. And Śrīla Prabhupāda said, I want 17 volumes, Chaitanya Charitamrita, complete in two months. So the head of the BBT said, Prabhupāda, that is impossible. In Prabhupāda's historical words, And he wasn't joking. He said, impossible is a word in a fool's dictionary. You do it. And they did it. It was impossible, but they did it. So when devotees have that enthusiasm to please the guru and please the Lord, they can transcend material nature in so many ways. So Lokanath Goswami just left And he walked all the way to South India. But it took him about a year to get there. And the whole time his heart is yearning and longing to be with Lord Chaitanya. And when he arrived in South India, he found out Lord Chaitanya had returned to Puri. So he went to Puri. When he came to the outskirts of Puri, he was told the news... That Lord Chaitanya finally, after so many years, after a lifetime of aspiration, he's gone to Vrindavan. And Lokanath Goswami was supposed to be there to meet him. So, as far as humanly possible, he rushed to Vrindavan. And finally, he arrived the one instruction that Lord Goranga gave him was, be in Vrindavan, I'll come there and we'll be together. And when he arrived there, here, he was told that Lord Chaitanya, he spent two months here. He was at Imlital chanting his japa every day in the banks of the Jamuna. And he was living at a Akroragat, and he roamed through Mahaban and Kathiraban and, and Badravan and Bandiravan and Brindavan and um, Kamyavan, Talavan, Madhuban, Kamudavan. He was everywhere in great ecstasy. He was talking with the cows, his old friends, and with the deers, and with the peacocks, and the monkeys, and the parrots, and the brigidossies. But he left for Prayag. Lokanath Goswami fainted. He left. <laughs> he just left. So Lokanath Goswami decided the next morning on leaving for Prayag. But that night, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared to him in a dream and said, Lokanath, I want you to stay in Vrindavan for the rest of your life. Very soon, Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami will come and meet you here. This is the extent that these devotees had given their lives to please the Lord. He never physically saw Lord Chaitanya again his whole life. He was seeing him in his service here in Vrindavan. He was wandering around the 12 forests, and one of his dear friends was with him, Bugarbha Goswami, who was a disciple of Gadadhar Pandit, at one time, in a place called Chatravan, in the district of. Little village actually of Umrau, Lokanath Goswami was living. There's beautiful stories about that place. When Krishna was personally living here five thousand years ago in his manifested Leela, in Chhatravan he declared himself to be the king of of the whole Brajbhumi, especially that area. He was just a small boy with his friends, and he told his friends, you go out and declare that everyone in this Chhatravana area, that they must accept me as the king, and if anyone picks any flowers without my permission, they will be punished. So the cowherd boys were declaring this and they were inviting all the Brajabhasis to come and support Krishna as the king. And Krishna was sitting on a little throne in the forest there. And Madhu Mangal, he was very enthusiastic. He was proclaiming, Krishna is the king, Krishna is the king of Chhatravan. Everybody must accept this. And some of Sri Radharani's dear friends, Lalita Saki, Vishaka Saki, when they heard Madhu Mangal saying like this, they told him, no. Sri <laughs> Radharani, she's the queen of Vrindavan. And she's in a place called Umrao. She's Taking the role of the prince of Vrindavan. And they dressed Radharani up as a prince. And she was sitting on her little throne. And they decided that nobody can declare himself to be a king without the blessings of the prince. <laughs> so Brindadevi made weapons out of little sticks. And thousands of gopis went to attack Krishna and the cowherd boys. <laughs> and when the cowherd boys saw the gopis coming, chanting the glories of Sri Radha, Subal and all of them ran away. <laughs> but they caught Madhu Mangal. They tied his hands up with a flower garland and brought him right before Shimati Radharani, who was the prince of Umrau. And they declared to Mongol that she is the queen, she is the prince, and no one has a right to take any title without her blessings. How should we punish you? And Madhu Mangal, very humble before Srimati Radharani and the gopis, because there were thousands of them, <laughs> and he was all alone, he said, very boldly, he said, You should punish me by filling my stomach with prasad. <laughs> And Radharani said to Lolita, she said, What is the use of keeping a useless Brahmin like this here? A useless Brahmin, the only thing he wants to do is fill his belly. Just let him go. So they let him go, but his hands were still tied up with a flower garland. Now, you may think a flower garland, you just go, yes? It was just, it, there wasn't ropes. It was, because they didn't even use strings in those days. They just had special ways of making the flowers together. And they would some use natural strings from vines to bring them together. The strength of that garland was the bhakti in which it was put around him. So he was helpless. So he was very much afraid and he went back to Krishna, and Krishna saw him tied up. He said, What's, What happened to you, Madhu Mangal? What happened to you? And Madhu Mangal said that Sri Radharani is declaring to be the prince, and, and, and you have no right to have any role without her blessings. And Krishna said, Well, I'm seeing that you're in so much anxiety. I'll do anything you say. What should I do? Madamankal said, You should surrender to Srimati Radharani. So Krishna went. And when Sri Radha saw him coming, she became so um, ecstatic and uncomfortable in the role of a prince. But her friend said, no, no, you stay like this and she was sitting on her throne and the gopis brought krishna and put her put him on the throne next to her and then everybody very happily seeing them together performed kirtan of the holy name <laughs> All of these beautiful pastimes are various creative expressions of pure love because the ultimate happiness of a devotee is to see the happiness that Radha, Govinda, share with each other. And that happiness is unlimited. When we take our happiness is in Krishna's giving his love to Sri Radha and Radha's giving her love to Krishna, then our happiness becomes unlimited. And that is the eternal nature of the soul. So it was in that forest that Lokanath Goswami was living meditating on these wonderful pastimes and he was alone most of the time and by Krishna's arrangement a desire awakened within his heart he desired to have a Murti, the holy arch of Vigraha to worship with love In the Western world and sometimes even these days in India people think that deities are idols. Srila Prabhupada explains, Krishna is the ultimate creator of all existence. The whole material existence is His energy. And if He wants to manifest Himself personally, to receive the love and give his love through his energy to his devotee in whatever form he wishes. It is absolutely the truth that he does so. And the greatest acharyas had their ishtadev, their worshipable deities. Lokanath Goswami wanted to have that loving exchange. But in those days, there was no Loi Bazaar where you buy deities. Vrindavan was a forest. Where do you get a deity? He was just sitting in this lonely forest near a place called Kishori Kund, which is one of Radharani's most favorite places. And one day when he was thinking like this, a beautiful looking Brahmin walked up to him, did not say a single word, but gave him a bag. Inside was a deity of Krishna. Lokanath Goswami looked at the deity of Krishna and then looked to thank the Brahmin and ask him who he was. The Brahmin was gone. He disappeared. Lokanath Goswami was in ecstasy. He started to weep. Krishna's here. But he was so confused. Who was that Brahmin? And, and, and what am I going to do? And uh, how is this happening? And then the Deity spoke to him. He said, My name is Radha Vinod. And I have been living in this area of Umrah for a long time, just waiting for you. And without the help of anyone else, I personally brought myself to you. Which means Radhavinod actually incarnated as that Brahman to give himself to Lokanath Goswami. And then Radhavinod said, I'm hungry, feed me. Lokanath Goswami went and begged for some food, made a fire. Cooked boga, made a little altar out of stones and wood, whatever was there, and made the offering. And after making the offering, he made a bed out of flowers and leaves and put Radhavinod in his bed. And for many hours, Radhavinod's small sized murti. Lokanath Goswami was massaging his feet, massaging his legs. He made a fan out of leaves and was fanning him. He somehow or other begged and got some cloth and made another bag out of that cloth, and that became Radhavinod's home. Because as Lokanath Goswami would travel, he would have that cloth and wear it around his neck. And Radhavi Nod was always pressed against his heart. Sometimes during the rainy season, the rain was pouring in torrents as monsoons and the village people asked Lokanath Goswami, let us build you a temple, let us build you a home. He said, no, I, I will not live in any home. There was a tree. It was a very ancient Kalpabriksha tree. And it was hollow inside. So he kept Radhavi Nod in the hollow of the tree. And would offer all of his worship to the deity in the tree. And he would be outside. Subjected to all the rain and all the cold. He didn't just tolerate the difficulty. He gratefully accepted it. Because he had the opportunity to serve his beloved. As he was traveling in this area, sometimes he lived very close to Chatravan in the forest of Kadiravan. In fact, I believe there is bhajan-kutirs of the places where Bugarbha Goswami and Lokanath Goswami would do their bhajan in Kandirabham. And he would meditate upon Krishna's leelas there. The Srimad Bhagavatam explains one beautiful story. And our acharyas have given in their commentaries many wonderful realizations of this story. May I tell? Thank you. After Krishna left Mahavan, because Putana, Trinavartha, Shakata Sura, um, and Nalakuvara Manigriva, the twin Arjuna trees fell down, so many things were happening there that they were thinking, this is not a safe place. So Nanda and Yashoda with the other cowherd men, Upananda, Abhinanda, Nanda, they all decided, we should go to the forest of Vrindavan. And near Bandiravan, Kamsa sent an asura in the form of a calf named Batsasura. And Krishna twirled him around and threw him on the ground. Maybe we'll discuss that another day. When the news came to Mathura that Krishna had killed Putana, Janavarta, Sakatasura, and now he's killed Vatsasura. Kamsa, His eyes began to flutter uncontrollably, and he fainted. How is it possible for any small child to kill Vatsasura? He was immensely powerful. But then the ministers of Kamsa said, there's only one solution. We have to send Bakasura to kill him. And Kamsa became really enthusiastic. Bakasura, he is the cruelest. He is the cruelest of all the Asuras. And not only that, but he was Kamsa's best friend who was willing to live and die for Kamsa. So Kamsa was very enlivened, ecstatic. Yes, let us send Bhagasura. So Krishna was herding his calves with the little gopas. They were in Kadiravan. The calves were jumping around and playing, and the children. Gopas were jumping around and playing in so many ways, and the boys were taking the the calves to better, very luscious, grassy areas to eat the grass and taking them to these beautiful kuns to drink the crystal-sparkling nectarine waters. And one day, after playing for many hours and drinking nice, refreshing water, they saw something that was extraordinary. It was never there before. Because Kadiraban was one of their favorite playing places. But now they were seeing this immense mountain. And it was like a white mountain. It was huge. And the boys were thinking, what could this be? This is bigger than Mount Kailash. But it seems to be moving. So they were with Krishna. They were fearless. And they were curious. So they started coming closer and closer, and they saw that it was a breathing mountain. And they were talking amongst each other. They saw that he seems to have this long neck, and the neck is kind of um, down. And and there's a massive, gigantic, razor-sharp beak. This is a massive bird. It's a crane. And as they came closer, Bakasura Roared. And with his gigantic beak, he attacked Krishna. In fact, he ate, he just closed his beak around Krishna, and, and Krishna kind of jumped inside and he swallowed Krishna. When Krishna was inside this massive asura, the cowherd boys, even Balaram, fainted. They were in total anguish. Now, Balaram is the supreme personality of Godhead. He knows that Krishna's undefeatable. He knows that whatever this asura must be is just Krishna's insignificant material energy. Later on, we read, when Balaram saw Krishna in the coils of Kaliya, he said, I'm a Nantashesha. I'm a bigger snake than this. Krishna never plays with me like this. This Kalia is nothing but an insignificant little water snake. That's Balaram. But Bakasura, everything happened so sudden, at least he could, in, with Kalia, Balaram could see Krishna. But suddenly Krishna was gone. He was inside the body of Bakasura. All the cowherd boys swooned and cried along with Balaram and fell to the ground unconscious. Krishna, who was in his throat, Bhaka's throat, he began to radiate his effulgence, the Brahma Jyoti, and it was extremely hot it was burning burning bakasura's throat and not only that krishna he was he was playing he was expanding himself gigantic in the throat then contracting himself small then expanding then contracting and expanding and contracting and meanwhile he was burning hot and bakasura was like <laughs> he was in such pain he was being he was screaming he couldn't even scream because he couldn't get any air out of his throat Krishna was going and the heat his heart was about to burst with pain his eyes were bulging and Bakasura was in such a state with all his might he was trying to spit Krishna out And with his f- wings, he was jumping up and down, flapping, 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 as hard as he could trying to get that inertia to spit Krishna out, but he couldn't get Krishna out. Then by Krishna's own sweet will, he came out of Bakasura's beak. A great miracle Because as he came out, all kinds of saliva and other stuff came out with him. But Krishna's clothes and his garland and his ornaments and his hair was just perfectly fresh. And there wasn't a single touch of any of the saliva or blood or vomit or anything else that was coming out along with him. And he started dancing. And Bakasura wanted to kill him. So he took his razor-sharp beak and... And Krishna was dancing around as he was doing. And then he lift, he opened up his mouth again to try to crush Krishna with his beak. And meanwhile, all the gopas were watching this. You see, as long as he was in the mouth of Bakasura, the gopas were unconscious. But as soon as he came out, they came back to consciousness. And Krishna effortlessly... With his little hands, he took one side of Bacca's beak and another and <coughs> he, <laughs> Srila Prabhupada said he bifurcated. Hare <clears throat> And Bakasura was like two twin mountains laying next to each other. Krishna kind of ripped them up in half. (laughs) Just like... And when that happened, all the demigods who were practically unconscious themselves during this ordeal, they collected... Chamuli flowers and jasmine flowers from the heavenly planets, the best flowers, and they were showering the pen upon Krishna. And the cowherd boys were clapping and jumping and saying, well done, well done, and they were all coming and embracing Krishna, and Krishna was smiling. And when they all went back to Brindaban that day, the gopas were so excited they couldn't stop talking about how krishna killed bakasura and yashoda Mai, the cowherd man and the gopis they were astounded to hear it but yashoda Mai, she said to krishna she said krishna it's it's it it just fills my heart with wonder that you're killing these demons? But we left Mahaband because of these demons. And it seems like wherever we go and wherever we take you, these demons attack. So Krishna, it's not safe for you. You're my child. You don't have to herd the calves or the cows. Actually, Nanda Maharaj has so many people from now on you will stay home with me and I will protect you. I can't bear the thought of you going out there. And Krishna smiled at his mother and he said, all these stories of my heroic deeds are all lies. There is never any demons that come into me. I'm going out to herd my calves. And you show whatever makes you happy, my Krishna. Pakasura represents cunningness. One of the great obstacles, one of the great obstacles to pure devotional service, is duplicity—that cunning behavior, which means we put ourselves in the center of our lives. And once we put ourselves in the center of our lives and keep us there instead of Krishna and Seva, then the mind could justify anything. To be deceitful, to be untruthful, to even tell lies about others. to even be duplicitous and deceitful to try to bring other people down to hurt other people to make my position stronger this is cunningness that tendency is the presence of bakasura krishna has appeared within his name to rip that demon of Bakasura out of our heart. We are praying for pure devotional service. And we're crying, crying to Krishna to free us from these anartas as we chant his holy name. Yeah. Lokanath Goswami was doing his seva for Radha Vinod. And while living in that Kadiravan area, he received a message from Srila Rupa Goswami, Srila Sanatana Goswami, that we are now here living in Brindavan. Come. Let us be together as brothers in the service of Lord Chaitanya. Lokanath Goswami, where the Radha Gokulananda temple is today, that's where he made his residence. At Radha Damodar temple later after Jiva Goswami came, Rupa Goswami, Sanatan Goswami, Ragunat Das Goswami, Ragunath Goswami, Gopabhat Goswami, Ugarba Goswami, they would all meet. They would have kirtan. Hari kata Seva. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked them to restore, excavate. Brindavan. so that people could come here on pilgrimage to exemplify the perfection of those in the renounced order of life, to establish temples and deities and the proper mood of worship, and to extract the essence from all the great scriptures. Unmotivated, uninterrupted, loving devotional service. In the mood of the inhabitants of Brindavan. Not far from here is Chirgat. We were speaking about Lakshmi Devi. How She was aspiring to follow in the footsteps of the gopis. Srila Prabhupada explains the nature of the gopis' love. He especially quotes from Srila Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. Everything their mind, their body, their words was for Krishna's pleasure. And the gopis, understanding Krishna's inner desires was reciprocating accordingly. Shukadev Goswami What was the exalted nature of his renunciation? We read how he remained within the womb of his mother for 12 years because he had no desire to come out into the world because he had nothing to enjoy. The only reason anyone's born in this world is because we have a desire to enjoy material gratification. He was Brahman realized. He was so thoroughly self-satisfied, he didn't have to go anywhere. So he just stayed in the womb of his mother. Vyastave was chanting the glories of Krishna, and Krishna himself had to come to convince Sukadev to come out. And we know the story when he was going from his home and Vyastev was following him, there were some ladies bathing without clothes in a lake. And when they saw Sukadev Goswami, they just went on bathing. And when they saw Vyastev, they immediately got out and started covering themselves and were very much ashamed. And Vyasteva said, why are you ashamed of me? I'm old enough to be your grandfather. Shukadev is young. He's only 12 years old. Why are you ashamed when he's there? They said, because he's Brahman realized. He makes no distinction between male and female. He doesn't see any of the dualities of the world. He's liberated. You are also, but because you're a grihasta, you have to make distinction. That was Sukadev's. And Shukadev Goswami, he praised, he exalted the gopis as the most highly pure, liberated of all souls. When Shukadev Goswami was sixteen years old, he came into that great assembly. Where the greatest rishis, yogis, sages, gurus were together to be with Pariksit Maharaj, the emperor, for his last seven days. Vishwamitra Muni, Vashishta Muni, Bhardraj Muni, Narda Muni, Vedavyas, Parasaramuni, they were all there. There were thousands of them. Every single liberated great soul in the universe was there at that time. Some of them were ageless. We read about them from other yugas, how they were great gurus. Vishwamitra was Ramchandra's guru. vyasadeva is Vishnu himself. Narada Muni, the son of Brahma, is almost everybody's guru. But they all unanimously agreed that Shukadev Goswami is the most qualified to speak. And when Shukadev Goswami spoke the Srimad Bhagavatam, seven days, nobody Left. All these great Munis and Rishis, they all sat in rapt attention, hearing the nectar of Sukadev Goswami's realizations. And he is glorifying the pure, spotless love of the gopis. the gopis wanted to exclusively dedicate their body mind words and lives to krishna they wanted to love him and serve him as their husband brinda devi she told them that you should worship the goddess katyayani during the winter month from November, December. And she told them how to do it. They were to fast and eat only once a day rice cooked with mong dal, with no spice, no salt, no turmeric. And early in the morning, Just before sunrise, they should rise and go together to the Yamuna and take their bath. Then they should make a Murti out of the sand and the clay of Katyayani and worship her and pray to her to get Krishna as their husband. There's one energy of Krishna. But that one energy can manifest as Yogamaya or Mahamaya. Yogamaya is the spiritual energy that facilitates pastimes of love with Krishna. And Mahamaya is the material energy that covers our awareness of our own eternal soul and our relationship with Krishna. Mahamaya keeps us under the egoistic conception of I and mine. I am this body and whatever is in relation to the body is mine. And our acharyas explain how Durga or Katyayani is the name of both the material energy, when it's applied in that context, but also they are the names of Yogamaya. So it's not that the gopis were worshipping a demigoddess. They were worshipping Yogamaya, Krishna's eternal spiritual energy because they were approaching her for pure unalloyed devotional service. Śrīla Prabhupāda explains that even if a person worships a demigod, Prabhupāda says, Narottam das Thakur, and others say there's no need. But if we worship a demigod for, for loving devotional service to Krishna, then that's perfect too. What Krishna discourages in the Bhagavad Gita is worshiping demigods for material, selfish purposes that keep us bound within the cycle of birth and death. But the gopis, because their intention was pure, their worship was perfect. they would hold hands together in the dark just before the sunrise. And they would be singing beautiful songs about Krishna. They were totally absorbed in Krishna 24 hours a day. And when they were together, it was the most beautiful experience for them because they can openly share their love for Krishna. Otherwise, at their homes, they had to kind of keep it to themselves. On our own little level, we should be like that too. That's the joy of being with devotees. Sometimes our congregation, you have to do work, you have to mix with so many social situations, and you have to kind of keep your enthusiasm for Krishna to yourself. But when we're with devotees, we could just freely talk about Krishna, sing about Krishna, encourage each other with Krishna. There's no great much chitamad gita parana. paramparas <laughs> Krishna tells in Gita, tesha nitya-vayukdhanam, ksema Bahamya, Krishna carries what we lack preserves what we have but he tells that the devotees their greatest joy is to be together to glorify him and converse about him one of the greatest tragedies is when we come to the association of devotees it may it's It's probably taken us millions of births to have the association of devotees. And when we waste our time gossiping, talking about the faults of others, talking mundane prajalpa, we could do that anywhere. beauty and the glory of satsang, the association of devotees, is we could freely discuss Krishna. And we should really try to do that. We read Srila Prabhupada's books, we go to classes, discuss it with each other, enlighten each other, enliven each other. The greatest service we could do for each other is bring each other closer to Krishna. And that was the gopis. They would hold their hands. They would be dancing to the Yamuna, singing the glories of Krishna together. And each one was, be, was enthusing the others to sing with more and more love about Krishna. And when it came to the Yamuna, some of them would play venas. They would have kirtan, chanting Krishna's names and glories together. Yeah. They would, it was the winter. They would remove their clothes and enter into Yamuna. It was very freezing cold. And they would stay in the Yamuna and chant beautiful prayers to the goddess Katyayani. And after coming out of Yamuna, they would get dressed. And some of the very artistic gopis would make a beautiful murti of katyayani out of the clay in the sand. And Brindadevi explained to them all the proper procedures of how to worship her. They would offer an asana to the goddess, a place to sit. And How many of you engage in deity worship? Please raise your hands. So you know the idam asanam. We offer, my dear Lord, please come. Please come and sit here. When the gopis would offer their asana to Katyayani, their prayer would be, dear goddess Katyayani, please bring Krishna to us. And then they would offer the padya, which is the washing of the feet of the deity. And as they would wash katyayani's feet, they would pray, please give us shelter at Krishna's lotus feet. Then they would offer argya, which is washing the hands of the worshipable object. And they would, as they would be washing her hands, they would say, Please, Goddess, let us give us the blessing to meet Krishna and offer our lives for his pleasure. They would offer achman, which is mouthwash. Please, let us taste Krishna's love. They'd offer madu park, which is a very, very delicious yogurt, our dahi and ghee and milk and honey. And as they'd be offering, please give us the blessing, where Krishna will taste our love. Then they would offer achman again, the mouthwash. They would, goddess, here them achmaniam. Um, Goddess Katayani, give us the blessing that we will repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly giving our love for Krishna to taste and tasting his love. And then according to the procedures, they would take fragrant oil to massage his, the limbs of the goddess. And as they were massaging the limbs, they would pray, let all of our limbs be engaged in the loving service for Krishna's pleasure. Then they would have powder to remove the oil. And as they'd be sprinkling the powder and rubbing the powder, they would be praying, Goddess Katiyani, please remove all our sorrows of separation from Krishna. Then they would do the Abhishek. And as they would offer the Abhishek, their prayer was, give us the blessing. We worship you with the prayer. Let us bathe always in Krishna's holy names and Krishna's holy pastimes and Krishna's loving service. Then they would offer clothes and ornaments. And they would pray, let us always ornament Krishna with our love. In this way, they worshipped absolutely, with one desire. They'd offer incense. As they'd light the incense, they would be praying, Please pacify our burning hearts by giving us shelter in Krishna's loving service. When they'd offer the lamp, illuminate our lives in the loving service of Lord Krishna. And at the end, after all the worship was complete, they offered a beautiful mantra that Brinda Devi gave them O Yogamaya, O Mahamaya, O divine energy of the Absolute Supreme Lord we offer our worship to you with only one desire. Bless us that Krishna be our husband. They performed this puja for one full month. Interestingly, their beauty was increasing every day. After each day, According to Jiva Goswami, they would take the goddess Katyayani and lovingly put her in the Yamuna. And the next day they would do the same thing again. But their worship was going more intensified, more elaborate, as the time was passing. And then it was the last day. They woke up early in the morning. And goddess Katyayani appeared to each of the gopis in their minds and smiled and said, the good fortune that you are praying for, you will achieve today. So they were holding hands, singing Krishna's glories and names on their way to the river Yamuna, with such happiness, with such anticipation. They took off their clothes and put them in the banks of the Yamuna and entered into the freezing waters. At that time, it was just after the sun rose, Krishna was with Balarama and the Gopas. They were herding the cows. And Krishna understood the hearts of these gopis. And he was thinking that let me, let me make the bud of the, of the gopis' hearts praying blossom into a beautiful flower today. So by his own inconceivable nature, he walked away from Balaram and all the cowherd boys, and they didn't even know he left. And he brought tiny little children with him who were just two, three years old, little gopas. And these children, they didn't know what a girl or a boy was. They were just, they were so attached to Krishna that no matter what their parents said, they'd just go out every day and be with Krishna, as he would hurt the cows. So he went with a few of these little children to the place where the gopis were taking their bath, praying for Krishna. They didn't see him as he collected all of the clothes And climbed onto a kadamba tree. He was sitting on the tree. All the clothes were draped over the different branches. He was just watching and listening as they were singing Krishna's glories and singing Krishna's prayers. And then he spoke. First of all, it was time for them to come out even before he spoke. It was time for them to come out and they looked on the riverbank and they couldn't see their clothes. They were, their beautiful lotus-like eyes were gazing across the whole riverbank. Where have our clothes gone? How could they come out? It was very cold then Krishna spoke and they didn't know who it was they just heard this voice coming he said if you want your clothes back then you must come and collect them from me and they were looking all around and then Krishna said I'm here and there he was in the bushes in the, in, behind the leaves of a beautiful ancient kadamba tree Gopis were very shy. They said, we cannot come out of the water without clothes. You must give us our clothes back. Krishna spoke so affectionately toward the gopis. And the gopis spoke so affectionately toward Krishna as they were having an argument of love. Gopis said, if you do not give us our clothes back, you are breaking moral principles, and we will report you to Kamsa. Krishna said, I have no fear of Kamsa. The gopis were trembling and very cold. Our acharyas explain they were up to their necks in the Yamuna. And they looked like the mo- their their heads looked like the most beautiful, fully blossomed lotus flowers within the current of Yamuna. And Yamuna Devi herself was so pleased with the gopis that she was embracing them with her waves. And Krishna told them. That you will only receive your clothes if you come one by one, and I will give each to you. So they came out, covering themselves very expertly. They were so shy, and they were so pure. Krishna told them that you have made an offense. To Yamuna Devi, to Varuna Dev, the Lord of the Waters, to the demigods, by going inside without your clothes. So, to atone for the offense, you must fold your hands and put them on top of your heads and offer your pranams. On one level, the gopis were simple. And shy girls who are afraid of offending anyone, which is really the way we should all be. But ultimately, they would do whatever pleased Krishna. The false ego, the ahankar, covers the eternal soul. Krishna nityadas Our true nature is we're eternal servants of Krishna. Nityasiddha krishna prema sadhya And the nature of the soul is to love Krishna and to serve with love. But the ego covers that. When we chant Krishna's names, when we engage in the nine processes of devotional service in the association of devotees, we are meant to leave behind all that ego. Essentially, that's what tapasya, that's what vairagya, renunciation means. Not just not eating or subjecting ourselves to torturous conditions, Real renunciation is to leave the covering of these false egos and all of our misconceptions behind. And when the devotees, the bridge bosses, go to Chirgat and offer cloth to the tree, that is the meditation that Krishna Like the gopis, we want to leave behind all of our material desires, attachments, and designations so that the pure soul can surrender in your loving service. Krishna gave the gopis their clothes back. But he did not give their hearts back. He stole their hearts forever. That is the ultimate perfection of bhakti. We're following in the footsteps, not imitating, but following in the footsteps of the gopis of Vrindavan. According to this Leela and the great Acharyas, our prayer, our intention, our aspiration, and our goal in life, Prema mahan is to serve Krishna with love. And when we are sincere, Krishna will steal our hearts. Satsang in Vrindavan is where we are all hearing, chanting, and serving together to inspire one another with this golden life that Krishna, out of his causeless mercy will steal our hearts. That is the purpose of chanting Harinam Sankirtan. Thank you very much. give you a little meditation of how easy devotional service is. When we hear a story like this, if we are simply happy that Krishna kept the gopis' hearts, then Krishna will steal our hearts. You see... Krishna told the gopis that night, I have accepted your prayers. I am yours and you are mine. And the fact that we were interacting in this way is only possible between a husband and a wife. And next year, we will enjoy together. And the next year, Sarat Purima, Krishna performed the rasa lila with these gopis. So when we find happiness in other devotees getting Krishna's mercy, then Krishna is most pleased with us. We don't have to be a gopi. If we're just happy that the gopis were so happy, that's our entrance into Vrindavan. But as long as we have our selfish egos and our immoral tendencies and our spiritual laziness, we can't have that happiness. We are cultivating through our sadhana, through our seva, through our morality and following regulative principles. Ultimately, we will listen to this wonderful lila and feel, yes, this is the perfection of my life, is Krishna accepted the gopis. And their desires were fulfilled. If you have that happiness, Krishna will give you the same experience. So let us celebrate by chanting and dancing.